You're listening to the Lockin Podcast with Mike and Baz. Grab a pint and join us in our virtual pub where we chat to ordinary people with extraordinary stories to tell. Coming up on this week's show. I'm trying to think, what, what do you get Richard Hammond for his birthday? You know, someone who can buy anything. Um, and I actually shipped him a part of, I've been to Everest and the highest and lowest points on earth. Um, and I actually shipped him this little box and I put Everest, a piece of Everest, with the Dead Sea below it and just said, and you've got the whole world in your hand and he just, God, he sent the longest gushing message about this. Like, yes. I, I thought you were going to say stilts, but that's not <laughs> <laughs> He's not that short. I got to defend the guy. Did your authority ever feel threatened by how good people were? As in like, did you ever think, oh my God, they're better than me? Good question. <laughs> no. <laughs> hello, 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 and welcome to the Lock-In Podcast. My name's Mike, and this is Baz. Say hello, Baz. Hello, Baz. Yay! <laughs> I do like that. I do like that. That's my favourite bit of all the podcasts that we do. Um, you may, if you're watching on YouTube, as opposed to listening on the audio platforms, you'll be able to see our names because we've got name badges. And the reason for that is that we are doing a special episode where we are talking about a show that we filmed uh, a good few months ago that we didn't know the name of, but we now know the name of. And there's a very good chance that you've even watched it. So uh, we're filming this before it's uh, broadcast, but me, Baz, and Joshua were a team on Richard Hammond's Crazy Contraptions. So this episode of our podcast is all about um, Richard Hammond's Crazy Contraptions. So I'm here. Baz is here. We're waiting for one more person. So let's bring him on. We've got a third co-host today. And that's Mr. Joshua Hughes. Hello, pal. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you doing, guys? Very, very good, mate. Very good. (laughs) So, um, yes, um, anybody who's watching or listening um, is actually a massive advantage to us um, in that they'll have seen the episode that at least the first episode of Richard Hammond's crazy contraption. So you'll know what it is. You'll know what it looks like. We've been on it, but we've no idea what it looks like. Cause we haven't seen it yet. Cause we're recording this before it broadcasts. So one thing you may be thinking if you've, uh, if you have watched it, um, is who's that fella that's on Richard Hammond's crazy contraptions. Who's that co-host guy? And how do you pronounce his surname? Well, here he comes to tell you who he is and how to pronounce his surname. I'll tell you, it's Mr. Zach Umparovich, because I've been practicing. Yes, hey. yes, you have. Zach, hello. How are you, pal? I am wonderful. You <laughs> nailed the pronunciation. Thank you so much. It has taken me lots and lots of time. One out of 20 who gets it right. <laughs> Mate, it's taken me a lot of practice. Well, we only knew each other for three months during the whole filming process so you had plenty of chance then i know but to be fair zach uh, in the three months that we uh, knew each other um in the in the process before the show and filming the show um i never referred to you as anything other than zach um or that american guy <laughs> yeah i think most people were that american guy or that asshole that's walking around bothering us i again. did to be honest i did clean it up just for uh you know just be, just because you've only just turned up on the podcast i didn't want to insult you straight away so i went for <laughs> that american guy as opposed to throwing in a, uh, a profanity straight off the bat um Fair point. But anyway yes so um this is the guy you will have seen on tv um co-presenting um official title i believe is co-host judge 
and engineering producer wow. of Richard Hammond's Crazy Contraptions. You got so, it. So, Zach, um, we've got you on here. Basically, um, we're telling people that we're going to be on it. We haven't been on it yet, but um, this is all about you today. Um, we got you on here it's just so that you can tell people about who you are, what you uh, what you do, uh, and so on, so people can get to know you a bit better, um, and then they can uh, hopefully enjoy this series a little bit more, knowing who you are. So, um, so yeah, if um, if you want to chat uh, for the next half an hour about who you are, um, <laughs> me, Baz, and Joshua can just sit back and have a drink. So that'd be a, I'd appreciate. Yeah. It. So who only are half you? hour. Only half hour. That's. So much of me to cram into such a short time. No, I'll keep it brief. Uh, no, like I said, Zach Amparovich, uh, the world's leading authority in chain reaction machines. How the hell did I get that title? Uh, uh, well, it is a real thing with Crazy um, Obviously, the name of the show, it's actually just a part of who I am. I've been doing this since I was three years old, building these crazy Rube Goldberg chain reaction, crazy contraptions, whatever the hell you want to call them basically been doing it my whole life, whether it be just parts around my house, breaking Guinness World Records, being a part of TV shows, commercials. Um, yeah, it's just literally who I am. And for the fact that my life was turned into the show, obviously there was such a list of things that you mentioned. Um, yeah, the show's creation, from the show's creation down to actually judging and helping the show run, came down to me and what a hell of an opportunity. And I got to say, thank you guys for being a part of the inaugural season and making it one hell of a season to that. And, and being your favorite contestants as well. Oh, totally. um, I'll <laughs> keep talking now. So you can't disagree with that. But it's like, um, if you're listening on the audio podcast, Zach just nodded his head and put his thumbs up and, and, I, and I can kill his audio as well. So there you go. That's it. Yeah. He's, he's, there you go. he's definitely said we are his favorite no. contestants. No, I did. I absolutely, there's the thing. I don't think there was any bad contestants whatsoever throughout the program, maybe one or two, but you know, honestly for our first season, there was little, if anything that went wrong and truly your team, all other seven teams, uh, eight teams in total, everyone was phenomenal. Everybody's machines were absolutely incredible. I've seen the first episode way, you know, way in advance. And even my own mother who has been watching me build these machines for years and years was going like, how the hell did they pull that off in three days? And me as a judge, I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, okay, you know, that's a good machine. They could probably do better. And for my own mother to go like, that's a good machine, tells me that the rest of the world is going to be like, this is going to be Did a good your show. authority ever feel threatened by how good people were? As in like, did you good ever think, question. oh my God, they're better than me? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> By the sounds of things, Zach, um, it sounds like your mum should have been the judge rather than you because she sounds like really kind. <laughs> yeah, she absolutely loved the show. I loved watching the first episode. I, you know, I can't believe that it's over, and I can't believe that it looks as good as it does. And no, Josh, never once did I feel like my authority was threatened. But uh, you know, I think the team that did inevitably win it—I'm not going to say if it was you guys. I'm not going to say whoever it was. You know, they have a shot at continuing on and possibly even being hired to do some projects with me because um, oh, when I do do these <laughs> when I do do these things for commercials, um, you know, it's it really is helpful having people who know what the hell they're doing, and not only having teams compete, but having people watch the show. You know, I think chain reactions, crazy contraptions are just going to explode in popularity. And already since the 
you know, since the news is broke, I've gotten a ton of emails just to do a bunch more. Just winding back. So you said you've been doing it since you were a very young age. How did you, how did you first discover what one of these things was like a Rube Goldberg chain reaction machine? Yeah, good question. So I was doing this for about, I want to say 13 years, just playing around with junk. And it wasn't until I was 16 years old watching on the game show network. I actually saw, um, it was a collegiate competition of these Rube Goldberg chain reaction machines. And I finally looked at him and went, holy crap, here's what I've been doing all this time. I obviously found the board game Mousetrap, played with that. I'm like, hey, that's really fun. Let's add it to my sort of things. But yeah, it was 13 years that I just stumbled around. And finally, that light bulb clicked of what the hell it was. Google was now a thing, and I was able to look it up. Uh, and I actually went to the very university that that competition was held at. The very next year after being at the university, I took over the competition and... Uh, I took over the team that was in that competition and then we won our first national title and yeah rest is history so for 13 years did you think you'd invented this because you'd not seen I it before I would... and then all of a sudden you saw it and go oh i thought it was my idea when I, when I was young when i i um so i grew up in england myself you know little known fact you couldn't tell with the accent. Um, but yeah, no, for about a number of years, I was thinking, it's like, oh, hey, this is, it felt point, even me doing it, it's like, this is really fun, but it's pointless. So in my head, it's like, ah, this is just me playing a game. Nobody would ever be interested in that. Um, but kind of what helped me was that my dad used to go skipping. He used to go to dumpsters, find all this junk, bring it to our garage and just leave it there for me. And either I would take it apart, break it with a hammer, which was honestly my favorite part. Um, or I would start making these contraptions. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until that clip on the game show network that I saw that really I put two and two together. It's like, I should Google what the hell I'm doing. So then you, um, then you ended up um, becoming world record holder. Um, talk us through that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was our, let's see, that was my fifth year at the collegiate competition where we weren't even trying for it. For these machines in the collegiate, you have to build them in a six foot cube. So six foot, six foot, six foot, 216 cubic feet. And we ended up packing 244 steps into that little box. You know, you guys, you remember your step count from your machine, right? It's about 245. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't 244 and we had much more than six foot to do it in. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, just, you know, just imagine getting all that to work in that little space. And the second that we got it to work and we realized that we had the record, immediately we went, shit, we can do better than this. So then the very next year, we built a machine with 300 steps. And literally because of that machine, they changed the whole rules of the competition to say, if you can never do that again, because it was absolutely ridiculous. It was, it's been called too much of a Rube Goldberg machine. We overdid overdoing it. <laughs> you overrubed it. Yeah. I just did a, um, it's called a tech talk with Rube Goldberg's granddaughter. And she literally still cites that machine as the machine that overdid overcomplicating things. So there's a, there's a weird honor in its own right, I guess. It is an honor. We told you to yeah. overcomplicate it, not over, overcomplicate it. So you're doing that as a child. At what point, because like, I know that you're, that wasn't your first career. You, you're a geologist by, by training, aren't you? Yeah. So started off in college as an engineer because 
you know, that's what I thought would be appropriate all those years of I'm building stuff and what have you. I uh, started off in engineering for three years and then quickly decided that, no, I like rocks. <laughs> Do I look like I use that geology degree much anymore? Actually, no, there was one machine. There was one machine in the show that actually incorporated rocks and I got to use my geology degree. So I was quite proud of that. It seems like quite a long step or large step going from making machines in your own house and then just sort of fucking around with it at what point mm -hmm. does it become like a possible career because obviously you went on to to make stuff commercially uh you were, were you you involved in the okay go yeah so yeah. with that one that was honestly kind of where it all kicked off i was still in college we just earned the guinness world record and the group behind it sin labs had contacted me saying, hey, you know, we're about to embark on this really crazy project. I wasn't able to go out there, but I was able to help them design. That got me in the foot, or that uh, put my foot in the door with Sin Labs, who then went on to create the Red Bull commercial, the Disney, all of these crazy Rube Goldberg machines you might have seen on you know, TV or wherever. Um, then I actually got to go out and do the ESPN machine build, which that was celebrating their 2 millionth like on Facebook, um, and they wanted it out of sports. And so that was my first chance getting out there and doing a commercial. And it went so well that um, yeah, the phone just started ringing. And when I started getting more calls about doing bigger projects, getting out there and building these crazy contraptions for people, the offer from Shell Oil didn't seem as enticing, you know, to sit in an office to, you know, just go out in an oil rig or, you know, travel around. There was a project out in Mauritius um dubai there's just a lot of chances to design and just talk with the most random people on earth about throwing bowling balls off a building shipping container dominoes it's like this is way more fun and you know i'm glad i stuck with it because you know when the pandemic hit somebody from our production company called and said hey i watched all your stuff on youtube i want to make a show about what you do and i sat there and went i've had this idea for 10 years People really get that call. That call's a thing. When, what, what, like, what, I've been doing crazy things for years. Nobody's ever called me and gone, you, I've seen everything you've ever done. You're, you're it. I'm going to make a show about you. Just, well, it, hey, man. you're going to be on the show. And God, this show <laughs> is going to be big. It's, it's got to be big. Well just, done. It is so fantastic. And, yeah, no, just wait for the moment because, um, yeah, I got the email from my website. Guy called me. And it's kind of one of those flattering moments of he talked to me about me for 20 minutes. And just like, that's how I knew that he was really invested in the whole idea of it. Because, you know, plenty of people have had the idea, oh, let's do a Rube Goldberg show. And I'd kind of him and haul because I have this idea that I don't really want to sell you if you're just going to be bored about it. This guy, just so enthusiastic, you know, it's like, screw it. This is going to be the opportunity. And yeah, for it to land on not only Channel 4, but a dual pairing between them and Discovery Plus. It couldn't have been a better thing. And with Richard Hammond as the co-host, it was, it literally was one of those things that just kept stair-stepping. Call about, let's make a TV show about your life. Hey, we want you to be the engineering producer. Oh, hey, by the way, you're the perfect person to act as a judge. Oh, hey, your co-host is Richard freaking Hammond. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> oh Let, let's talk about Hammond. Um, because... <laughs> Do you know what? As um, the the three of us are obviously um, have decent um, social media followings, 
Um, I, I like to be able to throw myself into the same group as the guys, even though they're they're. Um, you know, I, I like to say, oh, between us, we've got two and a half million followers. Don't look at how many I've got out of that. That's fine. Um, but yeah, no, exactly. Just lump it all together. But the um, but yeah, as somebody who's got a decent um, internet following, I would have loved to be able to come away from this and go. That Richard Hammond, he's a dick. Listen to this. <laughs> but do you know what? The guy no. is golden. Absolute Amazing. golden. Amazing. What what a guy. Really invested in the program. Really nice guy. Loads of time for us as as random members of the public. Um mm-hmm. and it and, and do you know what? Just a perfect fit for the show. Yeah. Couldn't have been better because I mean, we had talks of having people such as like Harry Hill on there who you know, just looking back, it's insane to think that we thought of anybody else. Um, our executive producer personally knew Hammond, uh, phoned him himself versus the agent, and Hammond immediately went, chain reaction, yes, I'm in, I don't care when, I'm a part of this. And you're absolutely right. He is, one, a proper genius. He is just a phenomenal human. He was kind, he was on set, he was engaging. Um, and even just watching that first episode, He's able to engage in conversation with me about, you know, the subject that I've known my whole life. And we're able to have true banter. You know, it's nothing scripted. There's no, nobody's telling either of us what to say. It is truly us having these genuine conversations. And, you know, after watching the first episode, I wish I could say I've seen more, but I haven't. Um, You know, it just generally comes across as, you know, he loves it. Obviously, I know I love it, but. You know, he he has the passion behind it, and it drives the whole show. It truly does, because you see way more of him on screen than anything else. He's the narrator. He's obviously he's Richard Hammond's crazy contraptions. The whole premise of the show is that we are trying to make his his life easier in his home. So, um, and obviously they could have gotten anybody, but there was nobody else that could have done it. So um, we happen to know as well that uh, you and he became really good friends um, mm-hmm. through the show as well, which is, yeah. um, I think, having known you, really liking you and really liking him, I quite like that mm. because was like, yeah. if I liked you and liked him <laughs> and, you just gone, and you two would have gone like, no, he's a dick. I don't like him. I really like yeah. that. Can you confirm or deny that um, in a week's break in between recording, you two went on holiday together? <laughs> yes, yes, we did. In fact, um, that photo has ended up online. We used it as one of the backdrops in the set as well. But uh, yeah, no, he took me on a trip to the Lakes District, and we went hiking. We had a very alcohol fueled weekend, which yeah, one just I'm not surprised. Yeah, right. But just you know, having that experience, you know, meeting his close friends. You know, we're not talking TV personalities; we're talking his actual friends, um, and being able to just you know spend a weekend together, just shooting the shit, and um, honestly, talking cars and everything. Oh, God, there was one night that we just sat out, just looking at the stars, just chatting till I think it was like two in the morning. We were drunk as shit, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like one of those things where. You know, it was such a close bond that formed that quickly. Uh, and even now, you know, we still, obviously the show has ended a couple months ago, but, you know, we still message pretty regularly. He's really busy. Um, but, you know, for his birthday, I sent him, I'm trying to think, what what do you get Richard Hammond for his birthday? You know, someone who can buy anything. Um, and I actually shipped him a part of, I've been to Everest and the highest and lowest points on earth. 
Um, and I actually shipped him this little box and I put Everest, a piece of Everest with the Dead Sea below it and just said, and you got the whole world in your hand and he just, God, he sent the longest gushing message about this. I was like, yes. I, I thought you were going to say stilts, but that's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's not that short. I got to defend the guy. He's not that short. Compared to you, he's tiny. You, yeah. Okay, fine. I'm also a big guy. Come on. You know, I'm not going to die. I'm big, but um, yeah, no, looking on camera, he does. There is a size difference, but you know, compared to a normal human, he is a normal size. Don't say that. It's like he's built his whole career over the fact that he takes the piss out of his own height. So, so don't take that away from him. Off camera, obviously, we've uh, we've kind of an experience of him off camera, and he is full of uh, full of banter. And like I say, just as a as a random member of the public who happened to be on a show that he was on as well. It just made us feel really good because it would just be, you know, it, you'd, you'd be forgiven as a, as, a, as a celebrity just to, you know, do your bit and then disappear. But ever so often when the camera stopped, he'd be turned around, he'd engage us in conversation, we'd be laughing together, we'd be like the, the banter would be flowing. And, and he constantly takes the piss out of his own height um, while, he's, uh, while the camera's off as well. So it's not, it's not a secret that he's... <laughs> it didn't help that he had that plinth in the middle of the studio that always raised it. So <laughs> when he stepped down, it was a giant leap down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Fair. Which, by the way, the, obviously you guys know the two rocking chairs, right? I, yeah. I yeah. hate the fact that the one... I am... I'm going to break those chairs when I unpack them for storage from season two. Cause it just like, I plop down in it and I look mass. I look more massive than I should <laughs> in this little tiny dollhouse chair. And he looks like a normal human, but in my chair, which it's like, this is bullshit. So. Build a, build I, I a big that. one, build a big scale one so that you look little next to him and then put it further behind. So you do that like Lord of the Rings thing where they make you look smaller. And just fix everything. <laughs> you can do that. I know you can. <laughs> I, yeah, you know what? Don't give me ideas because I probably would want to try that. I, th I think it's worth mentioning <laughs> the, the set because pe people have seen it by now or will see it. But um, mm -hmm. we couldn't find Joshua one day and those sofas that are in the middle, uh, we eventually found him on when we got the call to go back to work. <laughs> Productivity-wise, I needed that little little moment. <laughs> Wait, you fell asleep on my sofa? <laughs> yes. Briefly, during the, the working hour, yeah. Yeah, oh. just a little bit. And that's I didn't know the, that. Uh, Where was I? You weren't committed enough. You weren't there. How dare you? That's my masterclass sofa. <laughs> Joshua, um, for those who don't know, is not a morning person. <laughs> and, we, and the filming of this thing, I mean, I'm fascinated by TV filming. I've been to watch loads of things being filmed and I've, I'm fascinated by it. Um, but being involved in this, is just, it, was, it was just incredible. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it's just the, the whole thing of um, for three days, well, we were there for five days and three days was the build. Um, and it was literally, we were picked up from the hotel at half past seven in the morning and we dropped back at like nine o'clock at night. Um, and yeah, bless him, Joshua. Joshua's, Joshua's pretty much nocturnal. So um, <laughs> Joshua was introduced to Sunrise um, through the making of this TV show. So um, that, was, that, that, that was it for us, was just that, um, yeah, Joshua was never a morning person. So having to get, um, out of uh, out of the hotel at half past seven in the morning, and then arrive at the studio at eight o'clock. Start filming at half past eight. Yeah, every so often we'd turn round in the middle of things and go, 
Where's Joshua? He should be doing stuff. And he was asleep. So there you go. There's a secret you probably didn't see on TV. But hey, I put maybe those... that made it through the TV. We don't know. I put those tea kettles in the workshop for that very reason. Because you guys needed it. That's going to be something that's going to be a surprise. Um, everyone that I've showed the show, shown the show to in America has been like, why do they keep drinking tea? Why are there tea? Why is there a tea kettle in their workshop? Is that a prop? No, that's real and it has a function. Nope. <laughs> exactly. That's to keep people going. So, yeah, that is something that um, quite often in the um, – I'm quite keen to, through the podcast and through my uh, TikTok and social media and stuff, is to show – without you know, breaking any uh, the confidentialities or you know, ruining things for people, um, I'm quite keen to talk about and to show some of the behind-the-scenes things. Um, and, yeah – quite often you see these shows and it's all right the clock starts now you've got three days and it was like it was literally three days um mm -hmm. and it was you know and they would say um there are some things that again let's let's you know let's do that behind the scenes thing and say there's quite often when it says like yeah you've got eight hours or ten hours or whatever to do this it was like well you do yeah but you've got lunch you've got the time where the um you know, you've got at least an hour at the start where the cameras aren't turned on, so you're not allowed to do too much because we need to film you when you do stuff. Here's a little uh, behind-the-scenes secret for you all. Every time that Hammond and and Zach uh, were talking together in the middle, we weren't allowed to use power tools. So oh, um, it's worth noting this as well. So that cut a lot of time down. So and you were the most pissed by that. We, we were the most pissed by that because we use the power tool all the time. <laughs> right, so so this, this is worth bringing up. So amongst the, uh, the plethora of tools that we had in, a, in our workshop, we had this pathetic little saw that when we started to use it, it was crap. So we said to Zach, oh, look, you know, can you give it a saw? He said, oh, no, that's a prop. And we're like, what? It's, this thing was fucking useless. <laughs> I have rectified that for season okay. two. I promise oh, you. But yeah, no, that was that was never. It was never meant to be used. And I thought, you know, it truly was a handsaw. Was something that did skip my mind because you know, for the audience out there, by the way, I really did. You know, obviously, you know, Paul Hollywood, whatever. He might not stock the ingredients on the show. Fully built that workshop myself, stocking all the items, restocking it every week. I was the one to pick out all the tools reset all the tools each week you know obviously with the help of the engineering team but um yeah no that's totally my blunder of giving you the shittiest saw in the world and it's come up it came up even in the first episode just watching that use of that damn prop saw is like shit they were never supposed to use that but it was that thing you gave us this amazing chop saw that yeah the the, the, the bench saw but yeah. obviously whenever you guys sat down or the other team started doing stuff they said oh you can't use it there's so many times that you were literally like ready to go, and they said, "Right, stop everybody." So we'd have to go back to this handsaw, and it would it be painfully mm -hmm. slow cutting the same thing you could do once. I started gluing everything together. <laughs> I started moving into glue the moment I couldn't use nails. Well, so everything was glued you, together by the end. <laughs> and you're gonna watch the show, and you're gonna see my masterclass. You're gonna see the, our chat, and it's in there for maybe thirty seconds, thirty seconds to a minute maximum. And you're going to, in your mind, think, like, I had to sit there for 20 minutes at the ready. And go, what the fuck was all that for? 
<laughs> here to sit there while he's chatting away to Hammond. I'm not allowed to use this. And by the way, so so yeah, yeah. There's an exclusive for the Lock-in podcast is that um, Zach Umperovich has just sat there and said, in all this planning that he's done, and he was responsible for kitting out all of the tools in all of the workshops for the whole series, and he didn't think to put a handsaw in there. <laughs> You have a handsaw that works. <laughs> and then, of course, when we asked what he said, oh, no, uh, that's going to break the budget. <laughs> <laughs> that was not me who said the budget. Okay, yes. I said the words, but someone behind me was, God, I had somebody behind me battling me about getting batteries. All right? Oh, yes. Just, there was a team yeah. later on that wanted a 24-pack of batteries, and I had to have a fight with somebody behind the scenes saying, like, well, we can only provide them four-pack the hell you can it's like they're double a's we, we can't buy a saw and we can't provide you with double a batteries because of budget but um yeah if you look over there there's a massive red um toolbox which costs tens of thousands of pounds and uh yeah if you want a power tool they're all dewalt <laughs> all donation really? Really? no yeah no it's you know something like well. that do you for next season, again, hopefully getting more donations. But, um, yeah, I've come up with a list of better equipment. Um, I actually just got off of another project. I did a commercial for a pharmaceutical group. And I used a lot of different tools that I've never used before. And immediately those have gone on my list of what to provide uh, for season two. A pharmaceutical company. Does this mean you could request any pills? You want in at this point? No. You're just in a room getting was... off your face again, like, oh, I need, I need, I need 50 more of them, you know, whatever they are. Um, so. You said that you were, had plans for season two. Does this, does this mean that either you're just being uh, hopeful with those plans, or does it mean that you, you have already got some kind of green light? Nothing can ever be confirmed until <laughs> one of the higher, higher, higher ups gives us that little check mark. But you know, there's, there's, there's the talk. <laughs> There's the word on the street. There's the pure fact that me as enter and brains behind most of this was the one to pack up every last single piece of the set into a truck. So we didn't just throw it all away in a dumpster. We saved everything. Yeah. So um, that's an investment that you don't make lightly if there isn't going to be a second season. Well, hopefully now, you're not looking back on this podcast in uh, in a couple of years and thinking the ratings were really good until those three dickheads from TikTok turned up and crashed the ratings and ruined our chance of a second series. Uh, the you bastards. No, Sorry. There's... So you've been into Rube Goldberg, Trainer Rash Machines for such a long time. And obviously this is basically the show of your life. Is this, is this the first time that you've become a in front of the cameras i've seen you on video before at conventions and various things where you've done things is this the first time that you've become the sort of the, you know the the face of, of rube goldberg so this is your first kind of like tv you know zakabrovich on on the television how is it going from being the expert of the consultant on many projects to being on the you know and on the actual telly as being the co-host yeah, so you're absolutely right. Definitely my first time taking that transition. I do outreach. I give a lot of presentations. I did a tech talk years ago, TED talk uh, years ago. Um, it's, it's interesting. It wasn't as difficult as I thought for myself. 
Um, obviously there was the nerves there, but honestly, it's speaking about what I've done all my life and, you know, it's the passion and, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I would love to continue doing it personally. And it was a unique transition, but something I had always really wanted to do years ago, 2013, um, I helped design the show Unchained Reaction with Mythbusters. Um, and I'd applied to be the co-host of that or one of the, um, Actually, not one of the co-hosts, one of the team leaders. Somebody most supposed to be on camera. Um, didn't get that. They ended up, you know, some something moved on with that. Um, and then also Domino Masters. Domino Masters has now aired. Uh, I'm one of the consulting producers on that, but I had auditioned for quite a number of months as uh, one of the co-hosts. And thankfully, truthfully, thankfully, I didn't get that because it's again, it's all about dominoes and you guys know my opinion on dominoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know your opinion on dominoes. You told us not to include them at all. And mm -hmm. they were banned from our machine. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so imagine me being, the, imagine being involved in dominoes. And it truly was one of the last interviews I did with them. Um, I think some real higher up on Fox and they asked me a question. It's like, what is your opinion on dominoes? And like, truthfully, I hate them. And that was the nail in the coffin right there of just, you know, yes, I can do the chain reaction. I can talk on camera. <laughs> a piece of piss. It's too easy. I don't know. The show actually came out really well. And um, a lot of the challenges I helped design, which I was like, oh, great. You know, they actually use those ideas. So I was pleased with that. But this, this was the project. This is the one yeah. that I'm really happy to say that my name is truly on. And, uh, you know, I was such a part of. So Zach, now that you've uh, you've been you know the, the on the front side of the, all of your projects, uh, what what else you got coming up? You got is this led on to some more projects that you're going to be hosting and being on? Yeah, so uh, definitely there's a number of actual build projects that are in the design phase at the moment. Quite a few I can't mention. I mentioned that there's a pharmaceutical ad that's coming out in June that. I think is better in quality than the Honda Cog commercial. I love wow. that one. Uh, there's a few in the works, again, can't talk about. There's one for Formula One, still in the design phase, but I think I, wow. I am able to mention that. Um, uh, let's see, well, I'm mouth. still in the middle. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I am in the middle of still writing the book on how to build these machines. We actually just made a pretty big decision this morning on bringing it over to illustrations versus photographs. So my project for the next couple of weeks is designing all of these little machines for kids to duplicate and then basically building a mini machine for someone to then go off and illustrate. Um, and then beyond it, yeah, it's the, I have my fingers crossed for that season too. I'm really trying to keep my fall open so that we can film again. It's really, I keep saying, like, I have so many other things I want to say, but in reality, that's what I want. I want to keep doing this because it was such a blast. Obviously, this is going to be such a success of season one and season two. You're going to get the best teams back. Um, be they winners or not, we can't reveal anything at this stage, but you're obviously going to get the best uh, best teams back. So we'll see you on that series when that's aired. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's talk. There's so many ideas for spin-offs and additions. And now that people have seen it doing, you know, very much like what the British baking does a Christmas episode. Imagine having other celebrities try and build this machine and, you know, have the stress behind that and watching them like I'll tell you what we want to do we want to get involved as a team on the international ones i want to go and like when this gets syndicated out to loads of different countries like when brazil run it 
the three of us want to be a team in Brazil. It was like, I'm not interested in anything else, but like, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure like, you know, um, Mauritius, Sri Lanka, Australia, just loads of really nice hot places. I Mongolia. think you should be syndicated to that. And when it is, we, we want to be a team on that. I'll keep you guys in mind. There was talk of having it syndicated. Obviously, it's one of those fingers crossed. But, you know. Just tell them that I am Richard Hammond. They won't have a clue. I can get away with it. Surely, I'll just <laughs> I'll get away with it. No, jo Joshua, you're five foot seven. That's true. Thank you. Far too tall. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks for listening. Um, if, the, if this is the first time you've seen or heard the Locking Podcast, then please subscribe. Uh, please share this with everybody. Um, we've got loads more Richard Hammond's Crazy Contraptions content coming. Um, so we've got loads more um, podcasts based on the show, um, as well as our regular shows um, where we have uh, we have guests on all the time. So um, please do um, follow us, share us, uh, subscribe. Click all the buttons you can on social media about what we do um, and click bells for notifications, all of those things. And uh, we will see you next time. So thanks, Zach. Um, thanks, Baz. Thanks, Joshua. And uh, we'll see you next thanks. time, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks, guys. Good seeing you. You've been listening to the Lot In Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to all our social media platforms. Head over to thelockin.co.uk for all the links.